Not too bad. Not too bad. So you found out I was trying to get in touch with you. Yeah, yeah. You had reached my brother first. He sent me your message, and then uh, you had reached out to me today, I think, this morning or so. You know, I'm not here, like I said, to ruffle feathers between people within the community that I don't have to live in. Okay. It's only entitled to the answers I give, so. So you're you're okay with us recording, then I just want to make sure you're okay with that. Yeah, I suppose. I don't know much about podcasts or much about your documentary or goals. Yeah, my only uh, my only issue is, is that you know, you know, if I feel if I feel opinionated about local law enforcement, and their their duties or lack thereof, then I, uh, you know, I don't want to fall on the sword. I don't, I don't want to, um, you know, if, if my name's on the podcast, then then you know, I I have friends on local law enforcement, and and sure. then. You know, then it sounds like I'm talking bad about them or their organization, and you well, know, we and I feel terrible about it. Hey, uh, my, I think it'd be great if you, you know, I think it's great what you're doing, and and I I hope it it works, but I certainly don't want to look bad in 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 the situation either. Hey guys, that was a conversation I had with a gentleman by the name of Ronald, and he was neighbors with Nancy, but before I share what Ronald had to say, I want to dive into what happened at the end of last week's episode. In the last episode, I ended the show sharing a conversation I had with a guy who would eventually end up hanging up on me. Now, I reached out to this man because I was given a tip by a woman who lived right around the corner from Nancy's home. So as we dive into this, I need to share with you some inside knowledge and information I know about Nancy, which is delicate information. And I've contemplated for a long time on whether I felt this information was necessary to share. My rule of thumb when I started this podcast was that if the information I have isn't relevant to finding out the truth about what happened to Nancy, I won't share it because the family's listening and I want to be sensitive to them. And people in my position can easily get carried away with what we call juicy content or putting out there what sells. That's never been my motive or reason why I started this. So with that being said, this process has been the least to say uncomfortable at times. I've had to ask about people's sex lives, who they've slept with, if they cheated on their spouse, their drug habits, and even contest some of the individual's motives or answers to my questions. So part of the reason why I say this is because I know some won't be happy with what I'm about to share today, but I feel this section in Nancy's life is relevant to share and could possibly be the reason why she's missing or lead us to who's responsible. I need to be true to the investigative process and flip over every stone. By putting this information out there, I hope that someone can hear what I'm sharing and come forward with new information. So... I've read some of the notes and journal entries Nancy wrote down and were found by Bill Moyer when he cleaned out Nancy's home. I'm going to share some of those notes with you today. A lot of these journal entries were written on separate pieces of paper and not done in a normal journal notebook. Nancy jots down a list of wants and many other things that you'd expect any single woman to jot down. Someone to spend real time with, go out to a dinner and a movie, pedicures, facials, relaxing massages. The list goes on. And like I said, these are things that you would naturally see in any woman's journal if you were to read it. She then starts to write down some other things that I feel show the hurt Nancy was going through during that time. 
to forgive myself and not live with regret. A female friend, no backstabbing allowed. A social life, instead of being all alone. She continues on a separate page writing questions to someone. She's asking someone, Why won't you let me go? Why do I have to be a hooker, a porn star, a stripper? If you really cared about me, why do you and others hurt me? I mean, is this fun for you? No. What you have done to me and my kids is unforgivable. I will never take you back. You are not only physically unfaithful, but also emotionally hurtful to me, which I will never forgive. You're an abusive son of a bitch, and you deserve to be alone. So, who's Nancy talking to? I can only make my best educated guess, but obviously she's hurting and feels taken advantage of. In the episode, The Wayward Heart, another journal entry was shared and Nancy talked about taking junkie drugs all the time. And in another journal entry, Nancy is asking herself, or at least posing questions to someone else, about what she was dealing with during that time of her life. One of the questions Nancy jotted down was, Why are your drug deals so important to you? So the drugs seem to be something that is continually brought up. Those close to Nancy have said that they didn't know or believe Nancy to be on drugs. In episode 6, you heard about the Tanino police officer who confronted Brian and Bill Moyer when they went to Nancy's neighbor's house to ask and see if they knew of anything or saw Nancy recently. That's when the officer told Brian and Bill to give it time and how Nancy was just probably on some drug binge and would return in a couple of days, and how that was normal, apparently. So, allow me to introduce you to Dave. Dave came up on my radar because I got a tip from a local woman who's lived in Tanino her entire life and has had some personal encounters with this man. So the Officer Evans thing, did you hear about that? How um, supposedly there was some people that were pointing fingers towards him? Yeah. Okay, so um, that would that right there <laughs> would definitely be something that I would look into because I met Officer Evans on a personal level more than once. My husband and I both encountered him in our days of getting arrested a lot for domestic violence and stuff, which was around that um time period um but he has more than once used his powers to you know obviously do what he wanted in situations with my husband and i when we shouldn't have been arrested and stuff like that but um and you're probably like well what does this have to do with nancy moyer well what it has to do with really is is in my opinion sometimes things can continue to be covered up does that make sense sure yeah absolutely Okay, and so I, and like I said, I know for a fact that our our police system um, still, up until just when we just got a new chief of police, has still been corrupt. And so now we go to, back to 2009, um, I was pregnant with, who was almost 10, uh, my daughter, and we have a big window up in our in our house, and so we can we look down on Houston street. And, um, I remember one time this man named Dave that I, that I was getting to telling you that he was, he was, our, he's our drug, he was our drug dealer. <laughs> um, but my husband got to know him on a very personal level as, as close to as friends as you can get with a drug. You know what I mean? Yeah. But hung out with him, stuff like that, spent a lot of time with him. And the dudes always creeped me out. Right. Kelly started to share with me where Dave lives and that he actually purchased this house from Kelly's great-grandmother. Um, but that's where he lives. Kind of tucked away. It's, it looks like a driveway almost until you, unless you knew. 
I know that it sounds crazy to some people unless you really, really put together what I'm trying to say, I guess. But I remember when I was pregnant with before we officially met him, um, when he was just part of the neighborhood, I remember seeing him riding bikes with Nancy one time. Um, going from my house is, like I said, pretty much the last house before you hit the corner and go up. They were riding right in front of our house because that's how I seen them because I was, you know, looking outside our house window. One of the things that Kelly shared with me was that she also remembers what Nancy was wearing. She says that Nancy was wearing a dark khaki or jean-like shirt with a light-colored t-shirt tucked in. Why this freaks me out now, and I've been thinking about this for about a year now, I kid you not, is because now that my husband and this man Dave have made a small relationship, you know, as their time that they hung out together, we've learned that he's a widow twice. Who's a widow? Or is twice Dave, this man Dave. Okay. He's a widow. Um, And I thought it was only one wife, but my husband said that he's pretty sure actually that he's widowed to two wives. But um, he's got a girlfriend that's been a girlfriend for like a super long time, I guess, like years and years and years and years. But he's also a ladies man. And so I know my nephew had mentioned to me like a year ago or a year and a half ago that he was like, it was crazy that he knew who Uncle Terry's friend Dave was because he dates his, one of his girlfriend's moms occasionally, like takes her out occasionally. But he's got this girlfriend named Kat that's been his girlfriend for like years and years and it's right here i mean literally he lives right here and we live here and she lives there and or lived there and you know i know that i had seen him riding bikes together one time going back towards her house i couldn't even tell you exactly what month in the year it was but it was in 2009 sometime because i was pregnant with my daughter you're for sure it was 2009 yeah could have have been maybe it it would have been nicer weather not raining outside Cause she was born in July 2009. My daughter was. It couldn't have been November 2008. Um, you know, it possibly could have been. I don't know. I, I, you know, it could have been. I know it was in the period of time that I was pregnant with her because I do know for sure I was pregnant with her. Okay. So that's what I'm saying. In that block of time, and I can't. I don't want to say yeah for sure, you know, or anything like that because I don't want to lead in other directions or anything like that. You know what I mean? But it could have been. I just know that it was in the block of time that I was definitely pregnant with her. And so that would have been in the block of time that I was pregnant with her, yes. So, And then the widowed thing, you know, sparks me. It, it always sparked me. Like, And then the other thing that sparked us, of course, very important stuff. Um, so my husband and I had a fight um, a year and a half ago, right? When, when Chief Moody was still with us. And I, that's the first time I ever single-handedly found out and had experienced a dirty cop in my lifetime because he, I told him that we were fighting because of my husband had bought drugs, right? And we were trying to quit. The struggle is always real in that life, you know? And um, I told, and, and what happened was, is my husband's terminally ill. He's been terminally ill for five years. He's like a miracle case. Um, we had fought and he started having some issues with his heart. And so they had to call 911 too at the same time. And so the ambulance was here and they were taken to the hospital to get checked out. And then Chief Moody was talking to me and um, he was like, what's going on? What were you all fighting about? You know, blah, 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 blah. And I told him everything. I just spilled my guts and I told him right where Dave lived and that he's the drug dealer. He lives right here, right off of our street. And that I wanted something done because I was tired of him selling drugs to my husband. And 
nothing was ever done about it. Nobody ever, the next time I talked to another officer about it, like a few months later, nobody ever even had known anything about me reporting that, anything like that. And then I know for a fact that he has been pulled over multiple times in the last couple of years for DUIs, and he's never gotten in trouble for it. And I've seen police officer rigs go down that driveway multiple times, and he never goes to jail, he never gets caught, but he sells drugs to everybody in this community. So uh, what's, 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 that's what's what I have Dave's for last, you. What's Steve's last name? I don't know what his last name is. I can tell you right where he lives at. I was trying to explain it to you, but I have no idea, sir. I don't even know if that's his real name or not. You know what I mean? Sure. But I do know people know who he is when you start talking about him because I started no. talking about him to a few other people. And my husband has told me that actually um, he's like, he lear- he's learned how to make it on his own and stuff. But um, my husband told me that I guess like he digs big holes in his yard and that's where he puts his like recycling and stuff like that to- and his garbage and he composts. As far as I know, Dave has never been someone who was investigated or on Thurston County's radar. Given Kelly's testimony and her recollection of seeing Nancy with Dave and Nancy's journal entries, I have to take what Nancy said and assume she was purchasing drugs from someone. Was that Dave? Since he hung up on me, I can't ask him the other questions I have. But when he refused to talk, what else am I supposed to do other than tell the story I'm told? For Kelly to openly speak about how you sold drugs to her and her husband? What's your defense, Dave? Kelly is calling you out and claims to have seen you and Nancy together. So Dave, if you're hearing this, you got my phone number. Let's set the record straight, and I'm more than happy to meet up with you. You set the time and place. I'll be waiting for your call. I want to take a moment to say thank you to all the people who helped me when I asked for information about Ron Evans. I haven't made contact yet, but your efforts won't go unnoticed. Thank you for all the support. Now, I've spoken with Ron's mother and father recently. Trying to get in touch with uh, Ron Evans. Uh, he's not around here. Okay. okay. I haven't seen him since 2014. He left Madden and he ain't been back. You don't know, All right. you don't know where just, he went? Just a second. He went off to Colorado. He said something about he was going to study to be a doctor. In Colorado? That's, 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 that's the, all I can give you. Oh, really? You never heard from him since? I have not heard from him since. I really haven't. Last thing I saw was... He had a psychiatrist he was seeing here in town. I don't know who he, who he, who he was, but he also were doing some with the welfare. You might be able to turn some of them that way. He, he also done some, got some help with the welfare people, too. What, what do you, what do you mean? Like, as in, like, he was getting help from Like that? his education or something. I didn't... He, he wasn't very communicative to me. You know, I mean, talked to me very much, you know, Always seemed like his attitude. Uh, I've got a brain injury, so a lot of it might have been my fault. You know, I'm thinking, you know, I haven't been a perfect person. Sure. But, but there might be information from uh, the Aberdeen welfare deal. Okay. Because he did go in there and he, he said something about they giving uh, most money they gave anybody for education or something. So I don't, I don't really, these, but these things come off, you know, I didn't really get, you know, just kind of, Went through the air by me. Well, you know, not not talking too much, you know. Yeah. He had the post-traumatic stress. Oh, did he? Yes, he did. What I'm very curious on was he was also Tenino. He was a part of the Tenino Police Department when a gal by the name of Nancy Moyer went missing, and there was some odd behavior 
um, that was happening on his part when Nancy went missing and I'm trying to get in touch with him because I got some questions about those that behavior and, oh my god and All right. that's why I'm trying to contact him oh my god and I'm not saying Will that he that he's responsible but I understand but you know I can see you know Alright. You can see it being a reality? No, I don't necessarily see it being a reality, but his behavior wasn't. I don't never met anybody with post traumatic stress before, so. Okay, well, I appreciate it. I will uh, let you go, and you have a great rest of your day. I'm not saying he's guilty, guy. I just, you know, I just understand why you, you're looking, okay? Yeah, no, I understand. I understand. Okay. Alright, thank you. Uh, bye. Bye. My heart goes out to William. You can hear in his voice just how his heart breaks, hearing how Ron could have possibly even been involved with Nancy's disappearance. And the odd part about my conversation with William was that when I brought up Nancy's disappearance and how Ron's possible involvement, William didn't even deny or shut me down. He just sighed and said, Oh my God. To hear how Ron moved away in 2014 and was trying to become a doctor in Colorado, makes me nervous hearing this. Given his background, I can't see how anyone would trust him as a doctor based on his track record. So I did some more digging around. And finally. Wait, can you can you repeat that again? That he was studying for his doctor. Okay, wow. Okay, yeah. Oh, so then he's there then. Yeah. I hope he didn't abduct somebody. Well, I'm not, I'm not saying he did, but there's definitely some questions I have for him in regards to a disappearance and some other things I've, I need to talk to him about in regards to uh, when he was let go by his sheriff's department and also from a police department up here in Washington. That, wow, that didn't come up on his background check because I mean, we do run background checks. Yeah, I'm not sure what to make of that. But when you said he's studying to become a doctor, I literally just got off the phone with his dad and his dad hadn't heard from him since 2014 when he moved away. So Okay, yeah, no, he's in, uh, our, our stuff is in Arizona, so hold on, let me, I'm pulling up the application right now for, um, for this gentleman. No, dang it, it doesn't show his name. Who's Ron's name? Yeah, Ron. So here's Kelly Logan, my, my realtor, he's with Arizona Southwest Realty. Hey, Kelly. This is... Hey, Kelly, James Basinger, how are you? I'm well, yourself, sir. I'm doing well, thanks for asking. Uh, I believe Esther reached out to you. Esther Rimmer, yep. Did she just speak with you? Yes, sir, she did. Okay, I just wanted to make sure. Um, can I get Ron's cell phone number from you? Uh, let me see what number I have here. And your your name again was? James Basinger. Well, what I need to do is, before I'm able to give out uh, tenants' information, because this is, this is privileged information that I have because I'm their property manager, I need to check with my with my broker to make sure that we're not violating any uh, any issues in regards to our employment agreements with them, and, and then I will give you a call back once I get in touch with him and get that information. So right. let me let me do that, James, and then I'll get back with you as soon as I get in touch with them. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. No problem. Thank you. Now I just need to hurry up and wait. At the beginning of this episode, you heard from a gentleman by the name of Ronald. Ronald owned the house right next to Nancy's. And after my conversation with Brian Moyer in the last episode and how he and Bill Moyer stopped by Nancy's neighbors, I wanted to see what Bill had to say and catch up on some other questions I needed to touch base on since we last spoke. So when you called Snyder PD on Monday morning, I think it was like around 9 a.m., around that time, um, they told you you had to wait 48 hours, correct? 
Yeah, they said because of her age, we couldn't file her as a missing person right away. And, and that was actually a real frustration for us. Okay. I'll be, I'll be honest, we almost got faster response from the news services that we, because we thought, well, we got to get it out there. And we, we actually started contacting some of the news services. And I mean, you can go back and find, we, Sharon and I did, I don't even know how many interviews we did at that point in time. We did a lot and, you know, got it out on TV and, you know, seemingly before, before, uh, well, tonight I wasn't really doing much of anything. Nothing really happened till, till Thurston County got in there. So, so yeah, we, we did more ourselves just getting on the news channels than anything that we saw out of those guys. So as you just heard, Bill, waiting 48 hours was a major frustration for him and the family and apparently protocol. Now, a friend of mine sent me the Tenino Police Department policy manual to allow me to share what chapter 44 on how Tenino PD handles a missing person report. Section 44.3 is about an adult who goes missing. It states, a missing person report will be taken whenever the circumstances indicate that a person missing may be endangered, missing involuntarily, disabled, a catastrophe or accident victim, or other such circumstances that warrant police intervention. Note, there is not a total time missing requirement before a missing persons report can be taken. Each case should be examined individually. This protocol went in force as of February 1st, 2009. When you left Nancy's house on Sunday, did you lock the door behind you? Yeah, I've been trying to remember if I did or didn't. I think I did. Um... I'll be honest, that's a tough one. I, I don't recall because I knew the house was going to be left empty at that point in time. So I, I think we did lock the house. Did you have a spare key? No, ultimately it was the landlord that let us all back in. But you were there on Monday, which obviously was a day after you'd found out Nancy had been missing. Right. But Brian had shared with me about how you guys had went back over there to kind of check in on the area to see if Nancy had shown up or came back. And you go, you, you guys don't go inside the house, correct? Yeah, I don't think, I think we'd locked it up at that point. I, I don't believe we were inside. Okay. Which inclined me, you know, that leads me to believe that you locked it Sunday. So then you go there Monday. Tell me about what you remember about that that trip to Nancy's house. Well, I'll be honest, not a lot. I, I remember that right away Sharon and I got together and, you know, talked to talked to the neighbors and and uh, so you're saying ultimately started passing out flyers like right away. So you know? let me I guess let me I'll ask a question in a different way. When you went over on Monday afternoon, you were with Brian uh-huh. you were with Brian, your brother. Yeah, James, I'm not sure. Okay. It's a long time ago, man. Okay. Because here's what he he had told me is he went over there with you on Monday afternoon, and you guys uh-huh. canvassed the area, didn't really find anything, and it was a couple of minutes that you guys kind of looked around the property, and then you guys decided to then chat with neighbors to see, hey, have you guys heard of anything? Have you guys seen Nancy? How, did you guys hear anything between Friday till today? And... The first neighbor that you went to, that was a house next to Nancy's. And if yeah, that sounds right. If you're looking at her house, it's from the street, it's the house to the left. Yep. And that neighbor, you guys are talking to them, maybe not even a couple of minutes into it, a Tenino police officer arrives to the scene and then tells you guys to go back to your vehicle. 
And that's right. That is right. Yeah, and it was a the officer was kind of a younger, kind of a younger guy. I remember. So you don't remember his name, do you? I, I don't. My brother said that Evan sounded familiar to him, but I don't. But no, no, no. That's right. That is right. Do you remember? Okay, so you, but you can't say, "Oh, yeah, that did happen. That, that absolutely happened." No, I, that is right. I, I do remember that now. I, I totally had forgotten that, but that is correct. Do you remember how you felt when, when, when the officer told you guys to leave and you couldn't stay there to do that kind of stuff? You know, hey, this something's not right here, but I think we just thought, okay, we'll talk to some people. You know, it was looking us, you know, that we thought. You know, she's going to turn up. We'll talk to the neighbors. So, yeah, looking back, it is a little odd that an officer would have told us not to be doing that. That officer, and I guess it's kind of going into my next question, you probably won't be able to answer because, you know, you don't remember the officer's name, but do you remember having the conversation with Detective Haller about that incident? Yes, I do. I do remember that. Do you remember what he said about that officer? Because I, I don't know a thing about it other than what Bill, or I'm sorry, what Brian and Jackie told me. Um, at that point in time, he hadn't said much about any of the, uh, um, that early on, hadn't said anything about the Tonino officers. But later on, he definitely had said there's a couple of, you know, Tonino cops that he considered bad guys that shouldn't be wearing a badge. So that must have been Evans. Um... Yeah, I mean, that's that's a possibility. My brother said the name sounded very familiar to me. The frustrating part about that whole process is when Nancy went missing, it was only a couple days. It was shortly after that that Ron actually swapped out his patrol vehicle. Haller didn't find out about that until a year later. But Hare... So he, so he arranged to get a new patrol car shortly after she disappeared? Yeah, and whether that was by request of Evans or if that was ordered by... To Nino PD, I don't know. Only thing I know is that he was. Wow, I've never heard that before. Yeah, only thing I know is that he definitely did swap out the vehicle. Okay. By by whose request? I'm not sure. That's a little suspicious. That well, one... I remember. I remember we told Dave Haller that when we talked to the neighbors, that um, you know, they said they thought they might have heard something, you know, late in the night, you know, and. Maybe she wasn't even sure she didn't really wake up, but maybe even in the wee hours of the morning, one, one, two a.m. kind of a thing. And she said, and she, I remember she said, well, I almost went outside, but you know, it was a really super cold night. It was actually snowing that night. She, so she decided, well, no, I better not do that. But then, then I remember she said uh, something along the lines of, you know, when she realized what had happened, she, she wished she had actually looked. Oh, wow. Do you recall ever hearing that? Did you think that they had actually questioned and talked to the neighbors, um, the same neighbors that you guys spoke with? Were you under the impression that Detective yeah, Haller spoke with them? I was under them? the impression that Dave had talked to them. Okay. So let me stop you right there real quick because I'm going to share something with you. So I shared my conversation with Ronald with Bill. You lived next to Nancy. Were you living at the house when she had disappeared? I was not, actually. I, uh... Um... Uh, bought another house and moved out and uh, rented it to one well, of my tenants at the time. In the investigation that Detective Elkland shared with me is that there was a there was a neighbor who overheard a woman's voice uh, between 11.30 and 12 a.m. Do you know if it was your tenants had, that had shared that? At some point um, down the road, 
after it had happened. Um, I was doing a just a <clears throat> a standard house check with my tenants and making sure the house is clean and taken care of and 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 at the time had just in an open conversation with my neighbor said, Hey, asked if they had uh, been talked to or been part of the investigation for, or, uh, well, I guess more specifically, just asked if uh, law enforcement had reached out to them to see if they had saw anything or seen anything, and, and they said they never did reach out to them. So that they, when and then you, I, like I said, I, I don't know. Uh, I had asked my tenants if they had heard from the cops, and they said they never talked to them. Okay. Yeah. My dining room, my dining room and kitchen. Um, had windows that actually faced towards their front door, which had, was what had surprised me that law enforcement had never reached out to the neighbors. Just kind of gave me an idea that I felt like maybe the investigation wasn't full or complete. Is that why you're, you kind of, like you said earlier, is that kind of why your feelings are the way that they are with how they handled it? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. Because I, you know, and I have. I have friends at Hershey uh, County, and that's why I'm apprehensive. And yeah, yeah, you know, I even even though they're not the detective at the time, you know, they uh, you know they they probably know or worked with the people or are part of the organization at the time, and maybe feel that they did do a good investigation. Did they ever contact you? No, they did not. Wow, questioning your tenant, saying, "Did you guys hear of anything? Did you guys?" see anything and them not even reaching out to you which i find odd was there anything else in the investigation report that you thought you know that they really missed it on that one just basically the fact that they didn't come over to the house i owned it just seems odd you wouldn't reach out to the, the neighbors especially one that has um, windows facing her front door and but at the time my you know my renters my renters at the time were, were actually um, really good people and um, i suppose you could reach out to them if you wanted so yeah, what are your thoughts? Yes, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I, I took a lot of what Dave Howler, you know, said at face value, and I was ninety nine percent sure he said he had spoken to them. Not the case. Um, That's a little strange. Does this kind of stuff piss you off? Like, does it make you upset? Thinking I, I thought this stuff was done. Well, you, exactly. I mean, and done a long time ago, for that matter. Because. Everything I've ever heard was Detective Howell was a great detective, and I'm not saying he's not. I'm, I'm not saying he isn't. Right. I'm just I'm going off of facts of what people are saying. And along this conversation, R- Ronald lived next to Nancy before he rented the actual place out. And so before he moved, got in another place, he was living there and introduced himself to Nancy. And I'm like, hey, did they ever contact you? He was like, no, they never reached out to me. So. His feelings on this whole investigation is they did a poor job from the get-go. Wow. Yeah, that's not good. That's not good at all. No. So, yeah, they never talked to those neighbors that you guys talked to. I Yeah, so I'm looking forward to that conversation tomorrow. Yeah, definitely. Definitely uh, so. Hello. Hey, Corey, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Not too bad. So, yeah, you, you know why I'm calling then, right? So you're, do you know specifically what I'm reaching out to you about? Her disappearance, and of course we live next door then, so. Yeah, did you ever meet Nancy? Uh, no, not 
not uh, not officially. Uh, of course, we saw her like as we were coming and going from driveways or whatever, and a wave hello and a smile. We might have talked across the fence a couple times, but but we didn't know her now. Okay, so you are you remember you remember Ragsdale, correct? Yeah. Okay. So the story I got from Ronald was that when he came by after Nancy had disappeared and he approached you guys, he was just kind of checking in on the house, making sure that everything is where, you know, as it should be. And he said he'd asked you and I believe your wife, it was Brenda, right? Mm-hmm. Asked you guys if you had heard from law enforcement. And he shared with me that you guys had said, no, you know, we'd never actually been questioned by detectives. So is that, is that accurate? No, I mean, I don't know. I don't remember that conversation with with him. I think it was Donald, actually. Or is it Donald Ragdale? Yeah, yeah. It's Donald. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it could have been a timing thing. I don't know when. I don't remember when that conversation would have taken place. But we definitely heard from law enforcement uh, detectives and, uh, you know, several times. Oh, okay. So did you talk to Haller? Uh, is that a name of a detective? Yeah, he's the main. He was the main detective. I believe so. Yes, but I don't remember names okay. of, of the detectives. Yeah. Okay. So you guys used to have like a straight line view of Nancy's front doorstep from the kitchen, correct? Yeah, there's a little shop there. Um, there, I think that that I think that we could see kind of like almost from behind the steps as they come out of the kitchen. Or, or from the kitchen as they come out the front of the house. I want to say, I don't remember if it was a full view of the porch, but I definitely could see the steps, I think. Yeah, because I was just there, I think, last month or two months ago, and there's the garage that's right next to Nancy's house, and then right next to the garage is the house that you guys used to rent from, correct? Right. Yeah, so you, I mean, there's a straight line view. You could see coming in out, the, uh, you know, coming on through the front door of the porch, and you could see where she possibly would have been sitting to smoke her cigarettes. Now, do you recall when Brian and, or Bill Moyer and Brian Moyer, his brother, came by the house, it would have been the Monday after they had filed the missing person report, so it would have been March 9th, and they came, the the two brothers, did they come knocking on your door that you can remember? I don't know, I mean, I, we definitely had people come in and like, uh, you know, given flyers for the, the lookout. So this would have been like right afterwards. Yeah, it was literally the Monday they filed the missing person report. Brian and Bill Moyer came by and looked around the house. And they said after look, kind of canvassing the yard, they were there maybe for three, three to five minutes and they went over to your house and were talking to you and your wife. And they said they were standing there talking to you and it wasn't within maybe two minutes a police officer arrived and told them to go back to their car. And that officer then spoke with you and your wife and then came back to Bill and Brian and told them to leave. You don't recall any of that? Um, I, I honestly don't really remember how we first learned of it. I know, and I don't remember who was who. Okay. But, um, you know, that's entirely possible. We, he, we definitely had... You know, police officers come over and question us. I, I don't remember that specific incident, though. Okay. Does any police officer name stick out to you? No. Okay. Do you think your wife would recall this incident? Potentially, yeah. I can go find her. Do you remember 
the Monday after Nancy disappeared. It would have been March 9th. So it would have been the Monday, March 9th would have been Monday that they filed the report. But that's when Bill and Brian came by and stopped at your door. And I don't remember any particular people. I mean, I know people stopped by. This would have been her ex-husband. Yeah, I don't, I don't directly remember talking to her ex-husband, but I don't know. We had a lot of stuff going on then, too. Okay. Did you guys say that? I think, uh, was it you guys that mentioned that you'd overheard possibly some commotion? I think it was specifically you, Brenda, right? I got the name right. That is, yeah, that's my name, but actually, no. Oh, was it you? Okay, because, okay, they just mixed it up. So you had thought you had heard some commotion on the weekend? Yeah, so, uh, I mean, we were kind of go. it was later, so we were going to sleep, uh, and I kind of, I don't know if I was totally asleep or kind of in that space between sleep and awake, but I remember hearing, you know, a voice saying, like, come on, let's go, hurry up, get in the car kind of a thing. Oh, that was, was you? That was me. Oh my gosh, I thought I was the guy in the garage living in that little studio. Dude, you have no idea how long I've been looking for you. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's me. So, you know, it kind of woke me up and brought me more to, more awake. And uh, the only other thought, you know, and so I started paying paying attention. My ears perked up. And then the only thing I heard after that was the doors, car doors closed and then taken off. So... Um, yeah, dude, I've been, I've been really searching for you. I just didn't know who to look for in the police, the police report or the case file. They redacted all the names. Um, so you, you were the one that overheard. It was a female voice that you just said that you heard, right? You you couldn't confirm it was Nancy's. I, I was, I felt sure at the time that it was a female voice. Um, but like I said, I was also kind of half asleep. And so... You know, my confidence in that is not 100%, but there was part of it, part of what I wonder is if I'm not, if I wasn't like trying to place what I knew about her situation over there to what I heard. So like I knew she was the only adult that lived there. And so if I hear an adult voice from there, like I'm, I was thinking maybe it was her ushering her kids out. If like there was, there was urgency in the voice. I remember telling Brenda the next morning that I thought, I wonder if everything's okay. Like, sounded like she, maybe she had to take the kids to the hospital last night. So you said that even before she went missing. Yeah. So you heard, and then you also say said that you heard doors shut, not just one, but two doors. Correct. I think so. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was two. And just curious, I've I've been obviously there before, and I, and one of the questions I have for you is. It was a very cold time during that time of year, and so I imagine your windows were shut, but you could hear this clearly from, you know, being in your bedroom, or maybe you're out in the living room. Can you kind of explain the scene for me? Yeah, I was, I mean, I don't, I don't know what the temperature was, but, or if the windows are open or not. Um, it was pretty cold. I do know that just because everything in, in the investigation I've seen, it was a cold, it was very, very cold, which is how they found out Nancy went missing on March 6th because at 11.15, the doors left open and the heating spiking was on for the rest of the weekend. Yeah, I mean, we were, I was, we were in uh, our bedroom, which is on the same side of the house as the kitchen there, just a little bit farther back towards the back of the property. And uh, I was in bed going to sleep and I, I just heard that voice 
that I described earlier woke me up. By the time I kind of perked up my ears and it woke me back up and I thought, oh, that's strange. Like, I hope everything's okay over there. It sounded like, you know, Nancy's trying to usher the kids out real quick and and the door the doors were closed and they were, and they were gone. So there wasn't uh, really time to like even get up and try to go look out the window or... Did you hear a car take off? Yeah. Oh, you did? Yeah. Okay. So, okay. That's new to me. Last question I have is when you guys from that March 6th, which was that Saturday, and you heard that sound, 7th and 8th, Saturday, Sunday, did you guys see anybody else come back through Nancy's home? No. No, and, um, you know, we weren't keeping, like, uh, eagle eye on it or nothing. Sure. But we were, we, you know, I, I did tell Brenda, like, I wonder if everything's okay. Like, it sounded like something was going on. So I, I do remember, like, kind of peeking over there several times to see if I could see her and the kids and make sure that everything was okay, but... Did you ever notice that the front door was open? No. I mean, I wouldn't, like, getting on the property or yeah, anything. Yeah, yeah. Just, just kind of glancing over? Yeah, you know, just looking to see if the car is back and her... Well, it never left. Yeah, her car never left the, the property. Okay. So between Monday, when they officially filed missing person, and then... Wednesday, did you guys see anybody come and go? Well, I couldn't tell you for certain anything about that week other than I I feel like after that was reported, there was definitely activity over there sometimes. I mean, police and I think maybe maybe even Bill being over there, but that might have been the day he came over and talked to us. So, I guess we could set the record straight now. Sounds like Haller and his team did reach out to these neighbors and questioned them. Now, the mystery cop that came over to confront Bill and Brian, well, that's still a major mystery. Next time on Hide and Seek. Hey, James, Fred. Hey, looking at uh, the file, I do have uh, Haller's original interview with uh, Bill. And um, back in March 2009... And uh, he did ask him about the phone. Um, he said that when he went in with the kids, uh, she wasn't there, you know, the rest. Uh, but he did go in with the kids, watch TV for a little bit, thought, what the heck, went back home, then tried calling her. And so right there he said he did, tried calling her from his house. Bill went home and tried calling Nancy from his house uh, because shortly after, oops, I've got a answer the phone here real quick but anyway shortly after he said was asked did she have a cell phone he goes no she did not um but later on when we interviewed her he just said the same thing she did have she had a phone but uh, he quit paying on it so at some point uh did have a cell phone all right i gotta answer another call uh hope to talk to you soon okay i don't recall that to be honest but but like i said it's been 10 years and that could be james